become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Greetings and smell mutations. I am the TRS-80 and the Mulberry Boys have been gone a while. We hope that you are still there and we hope that you are still listening. Here they are. They're back and they are rearing to get this party started. Everybody, hello, <laughs> hi everyone, welcome to the show, I am the J-Strom, it is time for Entertainment Landfill News, I am your host, I don't do the show alone, I do it with Stephen the Pop Culture Zealot. Hey, what's happening? Hey, 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 Stephen, <laughs> hey wait, is Fat Albert ruined forever? Yeah, yes. pretty much is. So each week when somebody you know of does something horrible, it turns out it ruins all their previous all their work. shows are ruined. <laughs> it was funny because uh, I remember when our daughter used to watch Little Bill, this cartoon. It was created by Bill Cosby, and it's like, poor Little Bill, no. <laughs> it's ruined. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. It's November, and I know what you're thinking. God, it's been a long time since these guys have done a show. I'm going to say it's been about three weeks or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we've it, just stuff comes up, but uh, I am glad we're back now. We have huge plans for later tonight, Stephen. We're going to see Justice League. It came out. We are? We're going to... Yeah, surprise! Oh. We're going to see it in uh, less than two hours. That's Justice League. Oh. Yep. Uh, we uh, bought it a couple of days ago. Tickets. Hold on a second. Sorry, I had a gas bubble. wasn't for me. We probably wouldn't be seeing this tonight. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, how you said... Uh, Did you get your ticket yet? No, I'm going to look tomorrow. Hey, yeah. Jason, the whole back row's gone. I was like, okay, I'll look now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ahead and check it out. We we still got good seats. Yeah. Remember where we sat at for the Dark Tower? We were on the top row, but way to the left. That was still okay. We're kind of close to the center on the yes. next row down. We'll be fine. Uh, but if we'd have waited one more day, they'd have been gone. Oh, yeah, if we would have waited until, like, this morning or something, it'd probably been like, oops. But, yeah, we're going to see Justice League. Uh I'm excited to see it. 
see some superheroes and stuff like that. This isn't we, like the old days where you go wait in line to buy your ticket and then you get in the A, I B, know. I, I remember at first I didn't know what to think of this assigned seating thing, but I really like it. I like not waiting. Two hours. It's basically insurance. You're paying insurance that you will get a good seat and you don't have to wait in line. That's what that is when you buy a ticket early. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to do that. Remember when we used to arrive maybe... An hour, hour, hour and a half before the show. Hour and a half early. If, if it was a, a Marvel, a, a Star Wars, Star something Wars, like that. We would get there an hour and a half, two hours before. Yep. Even. And that is and for the would... birds now. I will never go back to that. <laughs> Once we've done this, it's like, I'll never do it again. Screw line waiting. Waiting in lines it's for suckers. Wouldn't it be funny if when you die, uh, you get? I always thought this was funny when but you finish an open world video game, they give you stats of everything. I want when I die, they give me stats of here's all the line waiting you did in your life, and it's just like holy shit, what a waste of time. But is it like a nostalgia <laughs> thing? Like back in the day, we had to go wait at the store for a concert ticket. Now you do it. Online. Oh yeah. I remember you know, the first Lollapalooza. That was hanging with your buds, you know, yes. the night before the tickets go on sale, you're camped out in the car. I remember being camped out at Sound Warehouse at night and waiting all morning for them to open to get shitty seats for Lollapalooza. They weren't even good seats, you know? Right. And it was like such a waste of time, but... Anyway, uh, Stephen, I'm so glad you're here. We're ready to talk about film, television, pop culture stuff. A couple of weeks ago, it wasn't last weekend, was it? We saw Thor Ragnarok. Last week. Last Friday. Was that last Friday? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Thor Ragnarok was wicked awesome. I loved it. Did you like it? Yes. I thought it was funny. I thought it was entertaining. I thought the beginning part where uh, Thor had kind of his... Uh, it was. It was kind of funny because I knew from the trailer what was going to happen to Mjolnir, his hammer, that he was, it was going to be destroyed. Yeah. And so we probably got the coolest action we've ever gotten in a Thor movie with his hammer, didn't we? The cool stuff he was doing with his hammer. And it was kind of like a, a farewell to his hammer because it wasn't going to be around much longer. But, uh, you know, they played the immigrant song, uh, Led Zeppelin. And, uh, you know, he was spinning it and throwing it around and everything. I just thought that was a really cool sequence. And uh, I felt like it was better than any other Thor action we've gotten in the movies or the Avengers. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah. And uh, there was just so much fun and creativity in Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, that uh, it it was exciting. And I am kind of shocked that, you know, because I've... We've been busy doing stuff. I'd love to see it again. And, and you're right. It was two weeks ago. Last week, you wanted to do the show on Saturday, and I had plans. And you, oh, yeah, that's right. So it was two weeks ago. Uh, Taika Watiti, he did a fantastic job directing the film. And also, he was Korg in the film. He was the gladiator guy who's like, oh, hi. You know, he talked with a really you know, <laughs> kind voice. I thought he was fantastic in the movie. But the whole cast was, how great was Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie? She was pretty badass. She has a great entrance in the in the film too. How she's yeah. walking down all cold and then she loses her balance and falls because <laughs> she's so drunk. Uh, she had a great backstory too. Uh, so much fun, such a fun film. And Jeff Goldblum was hilarious. Yes, 
<laughs> playing himself essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and I even loved I thought Kate Blanchett was great as Hella, but uh the Hulk was hilarious in there. The great Hulk action and stuff like that. It was just so much fun. It was a blast. And I can't wait to see it again. Uh I'm really looking forward to owning it on Blu-ray and watching it over and over again. It's just one of those kind of films like Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know about you, but I've seen it multiple times. Yes. Whenever it's on HBO, I'm like, oh, shit, let's watch it again. It's Thor Ragnarok's one of those films I'll be watching 10 <laughs> years from now, you know? Right. I, I know I will. You know what's funny is, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. I was trying to think I don't want to spoil anything in the film. If some, some Everybody's had to have seen it by it's now, been- but just in case, there's... Uh, some really there's some deaths in the movie and i was really shocked by one of them (laughs) because it was just really funny uh i don't want to go into that anymore but uh let me ask you this i was wondering if you never knew hulk was in this would it have been better for that surprise because that made the trailer fantastic where the hulk shows up and he goes yes he's a friend from work or whatever but what if we never knew that and then we saw it in the movie? Wouldn't that have been fantastic? Yes, but in this better. day and age with the internet, could they have kept that a no. secret? No. They couldn't have. There would have been tales of it. Oh, I hear Hulk's in it. No, yeah, it's they, not true. They couldn't have kept it a secret. That moment, though, was so great in the trailer. And it was funny seeing it again in the film, but I was just like, oh, you know, sometimes I'm. You know how I am with like spoilers and stuff. I want to experience things in the movie. And there are things in trailers sometimes that they spoil that like, well, can't enjoy that in the movie anymore. But, you know, it won't matter. Once I see the film ten times, I'll still laugh at that part because it's funny. Right. That everyone's expecting Thor to be like terrified at this champion and when he shows up and it's the hulk <laughs> and he's like yeah he's like excited about it everyone's like huh you know it, it's a good moment it's funny good stuff what did you think of carl urban's character of scourge how he starts Hela recruits him mainly because he doesn't want to die he's just like oh i'm just cleaning up here i'm the <laughs> i'm just the janitor yeah so she like recruits him and doesn't kill him. He's going to be her executioner, but he never really does anything no. bad, does he? Just he's, as he's about to. Yeah, you could tell he doesn't want to. And uh, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, his character was interesting, like because we have all these established characters, but we have this one guy. But I'm guessing because he exists in the comic books and. He went through some, his character went through something like that in the comics. I thought it was just a neat character, and Carl Urban is so good in everything he does. I appreciated him being in the movie. And I thought the music by Mark Mothersbaugh was so great, wasn't it? Yes. He did a great job. He's done a lot of good uh, music. What's funny, though, with Marvel movies is they get a lot of flack for all sounding similar. Yeah. And I'm very excited, by the way, this is a DC movie, but J- Justice League is Danny Elfman. I'm excited to hear that music. But and you know I love some Danny Elfman. Yep, Danny Elfman. But I'm just, I thought it was great that Thor had this very distinct, uh, otherworldly sounding soundtrack. You know, had, uh, it was something different and distinct where you'll go see, uh, you know, 
Alan Silvestri, he's a great composer, but the music to Avengers, it's just there. It's nothing, I think, exciting or anything. John Williams type, where it's iconic. I mean, it's fine. Even Michael Giacchino, who I really like, he did Doctor Strange. The most memorable part of that soundtrack is the closing thread, uh, closing Credits. credits music. Just like uh, I love the music to Ant-Man, but the most memorable part of the music is the end credits. That's when they're like, <laughs> okay, now I can do something cool for these end credits music. But I um, I was just uh, really excited about this, and I hope he does uh, the next Thor movie also. Uh, and like I said, Steven, Justice League. Hmm. Uh, and we saw a new trailer to... Uh, Black Panther. Are you on media blackout now? Black Panther is like, we've seen enough. I I don't, yeah, I don't look for it. I don't look for any of it. Are you sold, though, on Black Panther? Ready to go see see it? it. Yeah. 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 To say I'm excited? The first trailer I I thought was good. very interested. How is that? Excited is different than... I was sold on the first trailer. The second trailer, I was watching it, but like, okay, they're showing me too much now. Stop showing me stuff. I'm sold. I'll go see it, Marvel. Go see your stupid movie. Here's my money. Yeah, no more. Now, Steven, I have some... uh, Let's go ahead and roll into some news here. Sure. I just read this, and it's kind of exciting. The Last Jedi, which is coming in December. Mm-hmm. Which we already have our tickets. Yes. It's weeks away. The next Star Wars film. That's when I start my next vacation. <laughs> the Last Jedi will be the longest Star Wars film. What? Director Ryan Johnson has confirmed that Star Wars The Last Jedi will be the longest film in the franchise so far, coming it at... Coming in at 150 minutes, two and a half hours, including credits. The longest Star Wars film was previously Revenge of the Sith at 140 minutes. You know what's funny is I, when I read that it's the longest Star Wars film, I was like, wasn't Revenge of the Sith like really long? But there, there you go. It's 140 minutes. The Force Awakens. Yeah, The Force Awakens came in at a slimmer 124 minutes. Speaking at a press conference in Paris. Johnson also said that Rogue One, a Star Wars story, Gareth Edwards would have a cameo in the film. Ooh. However, like, we'll even, I don't know what he looks like. (laughs) However, he wouldn't confirm the longstanding rumor that Prince William would make a background appearance as a stormtrooper. Thank God he didn't entertain that stupid question. Johnson also compared working on The Last Jedi to his previous independent films. Disney gave us real freedom in writing. It was something very organic. For me, it was like when I worked on my old movies. That freedom seems to have enchanted Johnson, given he'll soon be taking the lead on the cre- <coughs> on creating an entirely new Star Wars trilogy, Stephen. And let me click on that for a second, because I remember this story happened in the uh, while we were on sabbatical. A new trilogy is exactly what Star Wars needs. It was announced this week that Ryan Johnson, the director of Star Wars The Last Jedi, will be conceiving and writing the first of a brand new trilogy of Star Wars feature films that will not bear the series' trademark Roman numerals. It sounds like this new trilogy will be set apart from the lives of Luke Skywalker and General Leia and will not involve Ray Finn or any of the other characters in introduced in the force awakens it will look at a brand new heretofore unexplored area of the star wars universe and will involve according to what little we know so far new characters exclusively 
It's about time. We almost begrudgingly admit that Star Wars, for however popular and acclaimed the films may be, has long ago reached a point of... Okay, whatever. Now it's turning into an editorial. But anyway, I think that's interesting. The one thing when I read that, I was like, uh, this means that Episode Eight is really good. They've already seen it. And they have the utmost uh, confidence in him. Or I'm going to watch Episode Eight and go... Yee. Oh no, he's doing three more. <laughs> Which I don't think is going to happen, but still, it's kind of funny. Now, this is funny, Stephen. What's funny also, everything's funny. I don't know why I keep saying that. Uh, it's so off in the future. This, com- this is coming after episode nine. You know, it's going to be several years, so it's kind of hard to get excited about something now. But it is interesting that. I love the idea of other stories taking place in the Star Wars universe. That's cool. Yeah. And does that bother you at all? Like, no Skywalkers? No. I'm out. But will there be tale of them? You never see them, but you'll Dude, be like... I think it'd be cool if it was way in the past in the Star Wars universe. Like, but while the... Like, even before, like, the uh, Clone Wars, like, ancient, like... They have those video games, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, like back in those days. That would be awesome or something. I don't know, but we'll see. Whatever would lead up to Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't need to do that anymore, like Rogue One leading into A New Hope. It needs to be so far away from the original. I say leading up to, it's like, it's building to that point where, you know, the, the Republic is gathering steam, but it's, it's kind of not as big as it is in Star Wars. Yeah, you know, there's there's little pockets of of it. I guess I don't know. No, I I see what you're saying. Now, Stephen, uh, we're going to see the Justice League later, and I don't know if you knew that earlier in the week the review embargo was up, like on Tuesday, where anybody could print the review. I read Drew McWeeny's and several others. But Rotten Tomatoes was holding the score because they didn't want to show anybody the results of it. And a lot of people were like theorizing why, but I just thought that it was funny. What's the critical consensus on justice league? Potential ticket buyers will have to wait until the DC films opening day to find out, you know, this isn't past tense by the way. So it doesn't really matter, but I just thought this was funny. Warner brothers is embargoing critic, reviews until Wednesday morning, 2.50 a.m. Okay. Leaving just one full day between reviews going live and the film's opening on Thursday evening. Usually studios lift review embargoes a week or more before a film opens, like Marvel's Thor Ragnarok embargo lifted on October 9th and the film opened on November 3rd. But critic aggregation site Rotten Tomatoes is making an interesting move on top of this, intentionally delaying its reveal of the film's aggregate critic store until 12.01 a.m. on Thursday. The reason the site says is because they want to make an event of unveiling the score on their new See It, Skip It show on Facebook. This delaying move has been the subject of conspiracy theories before, with Justice League studio Warner Brothers owning a minority stake in Rotten Tomatoes. Aha! See, people are like, oh my god, Warners, they're paying them not to do it, because they don't want people to see it's got bad reviews. Here's the the, the hole in, in that, is that Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad 
made a shitload of money and it didn't matter what the Rotten Tomatoes score is. So right. it's just kind of stupid. It's like if people are going to see it, they're going to see it. I did think it was interesting that they did the review embargo. Now you can say you know it was bad or whatever, but it's still people went and saw it. Yeah, just like every horror movie or scary doll movie, they get bad reviews, but they were like number one at the box office. It's kind of stupid. Let's read the uh, comment section at the bottom. Marketing ploy. I bet the movie is awful. Here's another guy. A review embargo, code for let's hope a lot of our audience doesn't read reviews prior to deciding whether to see this or not. Looks like positive strides DC made with Wonder Woman have gone straight in the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Why do people take the time to write these things? Warner Brothers was sure proud to reveal Wonder Woman's score a week early, but when it came to BVS and Suicide Squad, they're doing the same treatment on Justice League. I don't care. Man of Steel was excellent. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, screw critics. I agree. Okay, Steven, on to Ridley Scott. Says, Alien franchise needs to get rid of the Xenomorph. I read this and I was like, oh, geez. So you're getting rid of what major movie, the movie? Did you ever see Alien Covenant? You saw it, didn't you? All right. Oscar-winning director Ridley Scott thinks his fan-favorite Alien franchise needs to leave out the Xenomorphs in the future. The iconic antagonist was featured in his most recent entry in the series, which he returned to direct called Alien Covenant. Speaking in a roundtable interview with a Hollywood reporter, Scott expressed his disinterest in revisiting the series classic. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Like, didn't he say he was going to do five of these? And he's okay. We went to Covenant to perpetuate the idea and re-evolve the universe of the alien who I think the beast has almost run out personally you've got to come up with something else you've got to replace that now let me ask you this you've seen the film steven his whole thing with prometheus and this to show the birth of the xenomorph and where it came from did you ever care where they came from did you need to know after seeing covenant are you like oh and did it make it better no can you go back and watch alien and aliens and go hey i know where these came from and it (laughs) helps in any way Man, I know where they come from, so I know why they're killing. <laughs> no, they're killing machines. Who cares? He added... It's kind of like, just say with Jaws, you never see the shark. The suspense, not knowing, do you care? Do you, yeah. you didn't see the shark. Where did Jaws come from, though, yeah. Steven? Maybe they could why do a prequel. Why so big? Why is he so... I want to show a prequel where he gets born, you know, he's born, and they show him swim through like, like a... little guppy. Yeah, he's a little guppy shark, and he swims through like some radioactive water, and he grows big, and that's why he's the way he is. You know, he sees his, sees his mom get carted off, you know, and caught. Oh, and that's why he hates people, and he mm. wants to eat them. Ah. Oh, okay. Uh, Ridley Scott added... And so I was right. I was ahead of the game, likely referring to the negative to mixed reception to his Prometheus sequel, which chose to center around the infamous Beast. Scott has expressed this kind of sentiment already, having noted on the Empire Film Podcast, I think the evolution of the alien himself is nearly over, he continued. But what I was trying to do was transcend and move to another story, which, we be, which would be taken over by the AIs. 
The world that the AI might create as a leader if he finds himself on a new planet, we have actually quite a big layout for the next one. The next one? Asked about the follow-up to Covenant earlier this year, Scott said, I'll probably be filming it within the year. I don't know. I don't really care. Adding that scribe John Logan had already given him a script for a direct sequel he plans to shoot after he finishes all the money in the world and the cartel, but he hasn't gotten around to reading the script yet. I'll read it the day before filming starts. Delving a bit further into when the film might begin development, Scott revealed... It'll be out within a year and nine months. It's weird when you're writing, doing, planning, thinking about franchises. It's amazing how it opens up and starts to evolve. Declining to divulge a title for the project, Scott did tease he might make maybe two more films or maybe one more. He doesn't know. He doesn't really care. He's just bored right now. Oh, wow. Great interview. He's so (laughs) ho-hum. Yeah. I'm very ho-hum on the Xenomorph. And every time there's a story about uh, good old uh, Ridley Scott that comes out, I just roll my eyes because I just feel like he needs to shut up. (laughs) Now, Stephen, here's another story. This doesn't have anything to do with entertainment, but pilot draws a giant dong in the sky. Navy calls it a dick move. (laughs) (laughs) it's just so such a great headline uh dick imagine you were skilled enough that the united states navy entrusted you to fly one of their multi-million dollar jets after years of intense training you'd be able to soar through the sky in a way only a select group of individuals will ever be able to what would you do with such an awesome responsibility would you try to become the best to ever serve Would you take immense pride in representing your country to the best of your abilities every time your engine roared? Would you want to become Top Gun? Not being used to my ability. Or would you use your plane to draw a giant dong in the sky? Because that's exactly what one pilot recently did. And let's just say it rubbed the Navy the wrong way. (laughs) A dick move. Do you see the picture? I do. I saw it earlier. We came across this story at Deadspin, and it happened over the skies of Okanogan County in the Washington state. As you can imagine, in a world where everyone has a smartphone, plenty of folks grabbed a picture of this aerial phallic design. You can find more images of it at this website. Putting aside that this was... (laughs) Why do they need to offer more pictures? One is enough. Putting aside that this really... Oh, wait, I want to it see multiple... the views. good side of the doll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Putting aside that this was really well done, it is pretty neat for being drawn with a plane. This obscene image resulted in the Navy issuing the following statement. The Navy holds its air crew to the highest standards, and we find this absolutely unacceptable. Of zero training value, and we are holding the crew accountable. Hey, man, let's draw a dong in the sky. Woohoo! Buddy's betting me. <laughs> Bet you can't draw a dong with your plane. I know. Give me a break, you ding dong. And I'd like to personally apologize. <laughs> and I'd like a personal apology for how I'm going to explain why my Twitter search now includes the phrase "dick plane and penis jet." Who the hell is going to believe me when I say you don't understand? A Navy pilot drew a giant dong in the sky. Who would have imagined trained fighter jet pilots would have a sense of humor of a teenager in freshman health? 
What would be the funniest image a pilot could make with this, his plane? Draw up your most hilarious suggestions in our comments below. No, thank you. Why are you in opening that to a debate down below? Yes. Luckily, no nobody commented. Move over. I'm going to comment. Now, Steven, <laughs> a new trailer came out, and it's for the film Rampage starring The Rock. And you know, I know what you're thinking. Rampage? What is that about? Do you remember the coin-op video game say, Rampage? Was it the coin-op game? Yes. That's the only thing I could think of. Was it was like game. King Kong, yes. uh, a werewolf guy, and a lizard man attacking a the cities. city. They've made a movie about it, and we're going to watch the trailer. Let's check this <laughs> out. Ready? It's weird. You like hang out with animals more than people. Yeah, well, animals get me. I rescued George when he was two years old. Great effects. George never would have survived on his own. He definitely trusts you. Oh my gosh. Last night, George was seven feet and weighed 500 pounds. George, you okay, buddy? You're scared. It's okay. This morning, he's nine feet pushing a thousand. What's happening to my friend? Are you familiar with genetic editing? Changes will be yes. incredibly unpredictable. Is he the only one? Oh, you didn't know about the 30-foot wolf? What? <laughs> it's Okay. Why is the world a werewolf? I don't know. The world is a werewolf. Having George on that plane is a big mistake. I think we'll be all right. Let's go save the world. It's coming back to me. It's coming back. You have to evacuate Chicago. George didn't ask for this. They're going to put him down. That's not happening. I was just thinking the only thing that's missing right now is a giant crocodile. Oh, hell yeah. Are you sold, Steven? <laughs> you know, we can't see it on opening day. 420. Oh, Super Troopers 2 comes out. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to see Rampage a different day. Just, but Just letting you know. I think I can't tell what the tone is of the movie. It looks totally serious, doesn't yes. it? But then there's a little jokes. So is it going to have little light moments, or is it going to be silly, right. or what is it going to be? I don't know. I just don't know. It looks. Uh, it actually looks entertaining, though. <laughs> well, it's going to be stupid fun. Yeah, it's by the director that did uh, the earthquake movie. He did. What was that called? San Andreas. San Andreas. It's the same director. 
So it, it could be good. I don't know. All right, Stephen, uh, what do you say we do uh, some Rotten Tomatoes? Because I want to read some reviews of a movie that came out last week. And uh, I want to know what reviewers thought of it. And also I want to know... As long as they think a werewolf movie is fine to use, the world is a vampire. Yeah, they show a werewolf and they go, the world is a vampire. And I'm like, no, it's a, it's a wolf. The what world do you do? is a werewolf. When you play Warren Zevon's Werewolves of London? Yeah. You say either, I say either, you say neither, and I say neither. I like stale tomato juice. Ah, yes. I think I heard a werewolf, Stephen, outside during that song. I did. I heard a howl. (laughs) All right, Stephen. A certain movie came out last week called Daddy's Home (laughs) 2, starring Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Now, what's funny about that is that Mel Gibson is also in it. So let me in the freaking house! And, you know, he was basically blacklisted in Hollywood, but now he's back in this film. And uh, I don't... Did you ever see the first of these movies, Daddy's Home? (laughs) Dusty and Brad have joined forces to provide their kids with the perfect Christmas. Their newfound partnership is put to the test when Dusty's old school macho dad, Mel Gibson, and Brad's ultra-affectionate and emotional dad, John Lithgow... Arrived just in time to throw the holiday into complete chaos. Now, I will say this. I think it looks like it could be a funny, entertaining movie. You know, just kind of safe. Kind of just silly yeah. and stupid. James Barrera Dinelli of Realview says, Seen as pure holiday comedy, Daddy's Home 2 works fine. 2.5 out of 4. Alright, that's pretty good review, right? Like you said, it's just above average. Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times says, All right, this time I'm positive we're not going to see a holiday comedy this sour and cynical and profoundly unfunny for a very long time. At least that's my Christmas wish. One out of four. Okay. David Ehrlich of IndieWire says, A problematic comedy sequel that's almost worth sitting through for the incredible cameo in the final scene. Almost. Oh, dude, he's got me. I gotta know. Who is it? John C. (laughs) Riley. Brian Lowry (laughs) of CNN.com, Steve. And he says, the various subplots never really arc. Feeling more like stitched together snippets from 80s sitcoms. And there's just a rotten splat. I'll never know what he rating gave it. Katie Walsh of the Tribune News Service says, There are moments when it's deliriously silly and delightful, and others where it just completely misses the mark. And while at times it feels like too many dads, they eventually all learn that co-dadding in some kind of harmony is what makes Christmas great. 2.5 out of 4. Spoiler, they just told me. Oh, they, damn it. 
Glenn Kenny of RogerEbert.com says, I found the sequel better than the original. The writing is sharper, the jokes are fresher and smarter, and the comic interactions between the lead characters are consistently engaging. I give it a 2.5 out of 4. Well, that's raves for this film, right? Sinead Brennan of Ireland says, Can you do an Irish accent scene? No, 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 no. Despite its flaws, <sighs> Daddy's Kylie. <laughs> Daddy's Home 2 is an extremely watchable and family friendly with the holiday setting sure to awaken your festive side, but it won't deliver a Christmas movie miracle. 2.5 out of 5. All right. Oh, this is good. Susan Granger of SSG Syndicate, whatever that is. Mean-spirited and toxic. It's dismal. Two out of ten. Wow. Sarah Michelle Fetters of Movie Freak says, It's impossible that Daddy's Home 2 is one of the most, the more blatantly rancid and painfully ugly comedies I've ever had the displeasure to sit through. (laughs) One out of four. Now that's a good review there. I don't think we're going to do much better than that. Oh, except for Bill Gibran, a film racket. A dud. 1.5 out of 5. Wow. He doesn't get paid by the word, does he? No. It's a dud. Moving on. Now, there was also another Christmas movie, Stephen. Bad Moms Christmas. Did you ever see the original Bad Moms? I did see the original Bad Moms. Did you like it? Was it funny? It was okay. Well, it's back. It was. It didn't leave a huge impression on me. So how's that? I mean, did you think of it as awful or just merely? Eh, it's okay. just a watch watchable thing. Well, it's got a twenty eight percent rotten, and this is what Jocelyn Novak says: a stale old chestnut. That's that's a rotten sound. <laughs> Liz Braun of the Toronto Sun said. For festive fun, A Bad Mom's Christmas is right up there with a coal in your stocking. 2.5 out of 5. Jeanette Katsolis of the New York Times says, I have heart cancer, Ms. Hines' character says at one point in a vain attempt to halt her daughter's complaints. I think I know exactly what she meant. Kate Taylor of Globe and Mail says, Apparently, John Lucas and Scott Moore working the distaff side of their hangover sensibility once again have no better idea for a plot than a visit from Grandma, so they simply repeat it three times. Two out of four. Stephanie Mary of Washington Post says, Maybe they should make a lesson from the movie itself. Stressed out moms deserve better. James Barrera Dinelli says, Although it offers occasional chuckles and even a few solid laugh-out-loud moments, the picture as a whole seems redundant and superfluous. 2.5 out of 4. Wow. I want to read, come on, one good review? There it was on the bottom. Rich Klein of ContactMusic.com? That's where I go for my movie reviews. The film's raucous, raucous. Am I saying that right, Stephen? Mm Mm-hmm. The film's raucous humor is just rude enough to seem transgressive, even if it isn't. Three out of five. I I don't understand. Okay. Enough. I'm going to save Justice League for after we see the film, Stephen. Okay. But you're looking at some anyways. 
(laughs) (laughs) Now, Steven, we are going to see Justice League soon, but I'm going to play a voicemail we got. Uh, We will be back with the voicemail in just a minute. Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal. And Stephen, we're now on the flip side of the show. Thank you guys so much for listening to Entertainment Landfill News. I know this is kind of a short episode, but we got a movie to go to, and you guys want to hear us talk about Justice League later, right? But first, we have some voicemail, and to set that voicemail up, here is some voicemail music. Now it's time to hear some voicemail. Ah, could that be more dramatic, Stephen? That was pretty good. All right, Stephen, here's a voicemail from Ken. Yay, Ken. Let's check it out. Well, hello, Entertainment Landfill. This is Ken Preventure calling, and I thought I would take this opportunity finally to send a voicemail and to play a little catch-up because... I know Adam Sexton has been holding up his end of the voicemail labor quite well, uh, doing yeoman's work, as as we say. And uh, I felt I should probably uh, do a little bit on my own to to try and hold up my end of the of the of the labor. So maybe this will let Adam off the hook this week. I don't know, but in any case, uh, the reason it's been such a long time is that in the last couple of months I've been going through a transition. No, not that kind of transition. I've been <laughs> uh, relocating from Japan to the U.S. Awesome. So I moved back to Los Angeles from Tokyo uh, just because of uh, some immigration processes that I'm going through with my family. So we felt it was, uh, you know, there's no emergency, there's no problem, but we thought it would be a good idea to uh, relocate back to the U.S. to make sure that the process goes smoothly. So here we are. And it turns out we are back in the exact same apartment we had before we moved to Japan, which was about <laughs> uh, about two and a half years ago. So when we moved out, someone else moved in who we didn't know. And then the week we came back to look for a place two years later, the exact same place that we had just opened up. So it was almost faded that we would return and be back exactly where we were before we left. But some things are different. Uh, For one thing, I have a a nice new PC that fits in this bigger apartment space a little better. So that's a wonderful addition to my my work needs. And you may notice this voicemail, the quality is a little better than the other voicemails I've sent, just because uh, I've got better tech. So anyway, so what I've been doing besides catching up on the show is just catching up on stuff because there's a lot of stuff I meant to get to that took a while for me to uh, finish up. And some of this stuff you guys have talked about and some you haven't. I guess at the top of the list would be Twin Peaks, which Uh, is... yeah. I I really appreciated you guys... uh, I appreciate you guys appreciating the show because I'm just amazed at, at, uh, at how some people just don't appreciate it uh 
it seems so Jerks. obviously original and important and entertaining. I mean, it's not it's not a it's not a torturous thing to watch. It's very easy to get into, and then I guess it upsets some people because not everything is crystal clear in terms of plotting. But that's that's what you get when you when you you know pay your ticket to see a David Lynch movie, which is what this was. So, and I really was admiring the quality of commentary, not just by you guys, but just in general. If you guys listen to some other podcasts, like um, Entertainment Weekly had a really good one. They did. And, I listened to uh, that. Just really taking the time to analyze this show, which is more... I think, I think this has been analyzed more than anything David Lynch has ever done, at least, at least on a live, like, as it's happening, uh, in, in that kind of a process, that instant feedback... And and that just that just goes to show uh, the impact of the work, and also why things like these podcasts make commentary so much better than it used to be. Uh, the other thing is the Dark Tower, which I did not see. I have not seen the film The Dark Tower, and now based on you guys's uh, commentary on it, I do not want to see it. <laughs> but I did spend a lot of the summer reading all of the books and i i had i had to reread the first four i think i had stopped with wizard and glass uh but that was 10 years ago that was when stephen king himself took a kind of break from it uh, and then he went and finished up the last three so i re- i reread all the first four and then the last three and i guess uh i really appreciated more, and this is probably a bad thing to say, but I appreciated more things that happened in New York than the things that happened in the the fantasy world. That's just that's just what I think. And the movie to me looks like a disaster, and I really have no no interest in watching it whatsoever. Um, but I've been looking into other King's stuff, and not I don't know if you guys anything. have ever read any of the Bill Hodges trilogy which I just started. I just actually finished Mr. Mercedes, which is now out oh, cool. as a miniseries. I haven't looked at it yet, but it's it out. It is awesome. And then I'm now halfway through Finder's Keepers. And it's a it's nice. really good. I was re- I'm really surprised. I guess I shouldn't be, but you know, King is good at writing, you know, good uh page turner thrillers that don't have to have uh they don't have to have the supernatural. They don't have to have really gruesome violence but he manages to uh to effectively you know push a plot forward without those devices and uh the characters are really well drawn and particularly mr mercedes i don't know if you've read that but you basically have uh he likes to he likes to go back and forth between storylines so he'll have the storyline of the uh of the killer who is going to commit a terrorist act and i guess cross cut to the retired police detective who's searching for him and it goes back and forth between those two stories and then in finders keepers it kind of goes back and forth in time you have a a guy who uh steals some unpublished works by a great writer and then hides them in a trunk 
for over 30 years, and we see what he does you know, in the 70s, which is when he steals them, and then in the present day when they're discovered. And uh, it's and he's so jumping back and forth in time, and you know, lots of flashbacks and things like that. So, uh, and he he he's really skillful at plotting these things out. And I know that uh, a lot of people complain his books are over long, and they are. And there always seems to be that pat, that in the middle of his books, things just kind of slow down, and you wonder what's going on, and is he gonna is, is does King really know where this is going, and um, and the ending that seems to happen out of nowhere like oh okay this is it's almost like king himself doesn't know how these things will end so he needs but he needs to keep writing so so he keeps laying down track keeps laying down straight track until he figures out where the curve should be uh so you have to kind of ride with it for a while before it takes the turn um and some of his books that ride takes a little too long and i get impatient but with these books it's much tighter like he manages to figure out these curves much more efficiently i thought so i'd really be interested in what you guys have to say about that um so uh i guess i've been going going on a bit so i don't want to uh take up too much of your time but like i said i am catching up and uh and i hope you guys have been doing well and that the podcast will uh, continue to do well and and stay on a nice uh, consistent schedule and you know you guys really seem you haven't lost any of the energy you know i have to say uh, my wife ty hat oh, who you. you've heard from uh she was listening to some of it recently just in the background you know i was listening to it but she was just kind of it was in the background for her and she just commented oh these guys they seem to be having a lot of fun and i think that's what i like this show <laughs> for the most is just that energy that that uh, that sense of enjoyment, that um, that kind of joy in in consuming. <laughs> That's a weird way to put it, I guess. The joy joy in consuming, but no, um, I gotcha. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, take care, guys, and I'll catch you uh, next time. Take care. All right, Bye. Ken. Thanks. That was a great voicemail, and I remember reading Stephen King's on writing, and he talked about. He's an exploratory writer where he right. finds the story. His mind is creating it. He's just writing. And he described it as like a tree. And inside the tree is a statue carved that it already exists yeah. in the tree. And you're, or I guess rock would be even better, yeah. a statue. But you're matter, chiseling yeah. it and you form into a statue, right? right? He's writing until he finds that formed piece right and uh yeah some of his books are over long and stuff and there's always in some of the dark tower books there's lulls in some of those right. books where you're like okay well, the song of Susanna, the book itself is a lull <laughs> for <laughs> he's, me he's yeah but yeah that is true i love stephen king's writing what i love most about his writing is <sighs> just the characters and their dialogue and I can be transported to a space and time by the, just the way he writes. It's just so rich with uh, descriptions and everything. And uh, I'm I want to watch Mr. Mercedes. In fact, I, I haven't read the I book, wanna, but I did watch the show. I'd like to read and, it too. I love the way he described that. And it's just the way he says. There's it's cuts back and forth to the to the killer mm-hmm. perspective and from the direct uh, and the detective Hodges. That sounds cool. I like when he 
tricks things up too and he tries something different and so i i thought it was done really well nice uh it's 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 just so i I mean it's and did you like the way it ended too because some people complain about stephen king endings (laughs) well this because it's a trilogy, the Bill Hodges trilogy, mm-hmm. it's it kind of well, has Well, isn't a, each book have an ending, though? Yeah. I mean, isn't season one well, the first book? something could happen in this and bring, you know, and, and change things. Oh, I gotcha. So, I mean, it's a cliffhanger ending, if you will. Now, let me ask you this. In my opinion? Ken, now, again, I don't know how the book ends, so... Ken doesn't want to see The Dark Tower because we, the what we said about it, but... <laughs> He could go his whole life with never seeing that film, right? And yeah. don't you think, since he read the books and he obviously I, I, liked it, I definitely them, wouldn't pay for it if you get, if you get cable and it's on. And you don't just... you? I'm going to tell Ken avoid it like the plague. You never need to see it because <laughs> all you will do is go why? Yes, through the entire movie, you'll just be going why. And every time you see something that you remember from books, but they it's completely just. I don't want to say effed up. Yeah, it's just like, why did they, why? why it's just. Why did they mess with this? It, it's like saying, why are there tornadoes? What, because they, ca- you know, they cause horrible damage. They don't create anything. <laughs> why do wasps exist? Their stings hurt, Stephen. So the dark, why does this the movie tower exist? is a tornado or a wasp. <laughs> it stings why? me and destroys things. <laughs> why does this happen? I don't understand. It destroyed the beauties of the book in my mind with the like the tornadoes. It's really just avoid it forever, Ken. You never need to see the Dark Tower film. Instead, go see Thor Ragnarok. And that's my conclusion from this episode. Yeah, that's a good movie with Idris Elba in it. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> when I was watching it, I go, damn, Idris Elba's goodness. Unlike that Dark Tower movie. <laughs> and you know what? That's the thing about Dark Tower. Like, he was doing his best. Did you see it's not Idris Elba? He's a bad actor he in was, it. It's he just, was. It's, he was giving it his all. It's just a piss poor interpretation. I can understand why he did the movie. He probably saw the Gunslinger. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll play that." But then you know, he's on set. and He's like, "Oh Jesus, what have I done? What it's have like, I done?" Read what the books, done? people, before you. You know, and and again, it has nothing really to do with race. Idris Elba is not the gunslinger, you know. <laughs> oh, here I mean, we go. It is, but it isn't. But uh, not it, like I he, said, he is described fully in the book. The dark, okay, the Dark Tower book series is on an alternate world, which is our Earth. The Dark Tower movie that we saw in theaters, is I felt like it was a from world. from twenty. Earth's over in an alternate universe. They have picked up the story of the gunslinger through some weird osmosis, and this is their interpretation of the book series. But it doesn't belong in our universe. Yeah. <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say. It, it it's just uh, it's a hunk of shit. Okay, yeah, don't go but, see it. Yeah, don't ever see it for as long as you live. That's what I have to say. A Yes, it is like a toilet bowl cake. Steven? Did you see Buddy did a good... Oh, you clean a toilet bowl? He helped some girl on a make-a-wish thing. Aw. I saw that Cake Boss has been back. Uh, we need to do an episode of the show where we talk about every episode of this season, <laughs> Steven. What do you say? 
the toilet bowl cake. Did you see that Mama passed? Mama Velastro, she passed away. It's pretty sad. All right, Stephen. Well, that was our show. Let's end on a happy note. (laughs) (laughs) We ended on two sour notes. The dark tower. Go see Bill Hodges, the 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 Mr. Mercedes. Erotic exotic. (laughs) I think it's very well acted. It's a great story. Yes. Big bunch of. So go see Mr. Mercedes. Yes. where, where, it's fantastic. Uh, go see it. You mean download it, right? Whatever. <laughs> All right, guys. That was our show. That was Entertainment Landfill News. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Uh, if you would, go to etlandfill.com. There you can find all of our previous episodes. You can click on our show archive and find every episode beginning with episode one in 2005 to present day. Also, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm the Jstrom. You can follow Steven, PCC Steven, and Mulberry Bill. Hopefully he'll be on the show again someday, right? Eh, you never know. <laughs> if he's allowed. You can also find our old book club shows. If you guys want to listen to us talk about the Dark Tower series, the first three books anyway, you can find links to that. And also, if you guys would like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash landfill. For as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show and keep it going. And like I said, you know, I'm sorry we haven't done a show recently, but we're going to keep on rolling and do some new shows. And I can't wait to talk about what we think of Justice League on a later episode. And thank you guys so much for listening. And what are you waiting for? Get out there. Go see Justice League. Go see Thor. Punisher starts on Netflix, Steven. The final season of Longmire hit today on Netflix. I can't wait to watch that. And we'll see you next time. And happy Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. Yeah, By the time thanks- you listen to this. Oh, my God. You're right. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And I have this to say. Don't you know anything about Thanksgiving dinners? Yes, that's right. Where's the mashed potatoes? Where's the barbecue? Wait, wait. I almost said barbecue sauce. <laughs> Where's the mashed potatoes? Where's the cranberry sauce? Do you remember that? Yes. Are you kidding me? This guy's throwing mashed potatoes around. Yeah, I know. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and we'll see you next time. That's a turkey. Okay. (laughs) That's a turkey. All right, everybody, you bunch of turkeys. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Let's eat some turkey and dressing with all of the trimmings. And don't forget about the mashed potatoes and the barbecue sauce. Turkey. Hey, fella, you're a turkey, you know that? Turkey cacciatore. What a turkey. Now this is podcasting.